airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry V is over in Studio CC, and we're just going to jump right into our conversation. Normally on Fridays, we would do a lighter show, but um, we have been looking forward to having this conversation um, at least for two weeks now. I think it's been about two weeks, I want to say, maybe mm-hmm. not so long. But um, when I come across information that I think our listeners really need to be aware of, uh, we try to make it a point. You know, we, we work with our producer <laughs> um, to make sure that we can get the guests on that, that we think you need to hear from. Right. And our guests today are such guests uh, that we think you need to hear from. We're going to talk to Kent Heck and Lively and uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. And you might be familiar with the name Mikovits because you've been seeing um, the the videos that, well, actually, maybe you haven't been seeing the videos because they've been yeah, taken down been from removed. Facebook. That's right. They've been taken down from YouTube. Uh, where Dr. Mikovits is talking about her experience and her connection to not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, but also the concern that Americans should have over vaccines, how um, these vaccines are developed, and just the cult of corruption that exists um, in the medical community. Mm-hmm. And she, along with Kent Heckin Lively, have authored a new book. This is the second book, I think, and we'll find out for sure. But this is the second book that they've authored together. It's called Plague of Corruption. I believe the mm-hmm. first one was was called Plague. It was out in 2014. Um, and this book is causing quite a stir because the kinds of uh, claims, and I don't mean that to diminish what is said in the book, um, but simply to say we're going to unpack a lot of information. The kinds of claims that are being made are the kinds of claims that, you know, when a person gives names, dates, times, places, um, you know, the person is speaking factually. And right. in other words, the person is saying, go check me on this. Right. 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 And and by the way, this book was um, obviously written and published before um, this pandemic took off and became such that it is now. It just happens to be one of those timely things. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Kent Heckin Lively and, and talk about his involvement in the vaccine movement and raising great, greater awareness. Before we do that, and we got about a couple of minutes before we get Kent on, I want to make sure and and to disclose as much as I can, I want to let people know that the Addisons are not anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. I want people to understand that we are pro-vaccine choice. And mm-hmm. there may be right. people who would say, well, I am an anti-vaxxer or there may be people who say I'm pro-vaccines. The Addisons are pro-vaccine choice. We believe that Americans, we believe that parents have the right, the God-given right Okay, to make the best decision about what gets injected into their children, Mm. what gets injected into themselves. And so to that end, we do programs like this because we think there are questions that need to be answered. Well, first of all, let me say we think there are questions that need to be asked. Okay, we live in a time right now (laughs) where we can't even ask questions. We people can't even wonder 
okay, well, how is this vaccine developed? Mm-hmm. Um, is there the use of aborted fetal tissue? Do we have animal viruses being injected into us? Is there evidence of this? Is this listed on the package inserts? What if this violates my conscience? I mm-hmm. mean, how do I take a stand? These are the kinds of questions that we need to be asking. And I want to tell you, this came on my radar when our fourth child was four months old and yes. we had him on a regular vaccine schedule. And I want people to understand this because there are people who look at people who raise questions like this and they say, oh, my goodness, you're one of them. Mm. <laughs> well, if one of them means a person who wants the right to informed consent, yes, I am one of them. Mm-hmm. OK. And so when we realized when we realized that without a doubt we had injured child number four. Yeah. And let me tell you something. It took a while. We injured him at four months and we continued to vaccinate him until we could visibly see that something was going on. And then we began to ask questions. What I'm saying is we need to have a conversation publicly and ask questions before there are more victims. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So let's go to our guests because we want to cover a lot of ground with Kent Heck and Lively and then make sure we cover a lot of ground with Dr. Judy Mikovits. Kent, thank you so much for joining us. We are looking forward to having a conversation not only around the newest book that you've co-authored with Dr. Mikovits, but also a conversation around vaccines and vaccine awareness. And I think that this is something that, as you know, because of the work that you're doing, um, this is continually or increasingly suppressed in our culture. We cannot even ask questions about the safety of vaccines, about the right of parents to their conscience about mm-hmm. vaccines. And so we want to have a conversation about that Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your back, your background and why you're involved in vaccine awareness, to, to put it simply. Yeah, I think I've got an interesting uh, talent stack. Uh, I'm an attorney, so I practiced for about 15 years. <laughs> and then um, uh, about 15 years ago, I switched and became a science teacher. So I, I think I look at science almost through a legal lens, mm. because when you're a lawyer, what you learn is that the systems need to be set up the right way so that you have a system of checks and balances. And what I really saw with um, uh, the vaccine program is it is not set up to have a system of checks and balances. And as you were saying before, um, it really seems to be, you know, shame and shouting people like me down. And, you know, if anybody has, has ever looked at how human beings behave, I mean, we all need oversight. And so right. we need oversight of these vaccines, and um, the name-calling has just got to stop, and we just mm-hmm. need to talk about this stuff. Right. So so let's do this, and I, I want to make sure that we have this conversation, Kent, as clearly and as simply as possible, because there will be many of our listeners who, for the first time, they'll be hearing information that because it's the first time they're hearing it, it will sound sensational. So I want us to do our very best to talk about why it's important that we do not even appear to be sensationalizing the information, but presenting the information clearly. One of the things that we know is that there has been a radical increase in the amount of vaccines that children are required to have by the age of five. I think like in 1960s, you're looking at three vaccines by five. Then I think it was like, and correct me on this if I'm getting it wrong, it may have been like 16 or something like that in 1980s. And then in 2018, we're looking at 38 vaccines that children have to have by the age of five, if I'm getting those numbers correctly. And parents have the right to take a step back and say, 
why the sudden increase? And then you look at the correlation between the increase in the amount of vaccines that we are required. They say recommended, but really for most parents, it is a requirement. You Mm -hmm. don't have the right to conscience. But then we also look at the increased rates of these chronic illnesses that arise among children. And I would say chief among them being autism. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, so in 1986, something was passed called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And what that did was it took your uh, childhood vaccines out of the regular court system and put them in a special vaccine court, which is in Washington, D.C. And so with my background as a lawyer, I'm looking at this, and I was just looking at the regular court system. Now, let's say you have a toaster at home that catches fire and burns down your kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And you sue the manufacturer. Well, the manufacturer has to tell you every time their toaster has caught fire, all the reports they've gotten of it. So, but no right like that exists in vaccine court. You have to actually petition the court. And instead of going up against attorneys for uh, the pharmaceutical companies, you're going up against Department of Justice attorneys. So basically, the pharmaceutical companies got the federal government to become the the defender of vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other thing that is really interesting is um, in a regular court system. Let's say there's an allegation that a product is uh, harmful. Mm-hmm. Let's say Robert Kennedy sues Monsanto for their Roundup weed killer, and he wins a two point two billion dollar verdict against them. Well, every person after that who goes in who says we Roundup is causing uh, cancer can rely, can point back to that previous verdict. No right like that exists in vaccine court. And so every single injury, even if the judge has heard 100 cases exactly like that, the judge has to play dumb and say, oh, I've never heard anything like that. You have to prove it all over again. Mm-hmm. So the system for looking at the safety of vaccines need to be needs to be radically overhauled. You know, and this is an amazing, um, I would say, piece of information for our listeners to understand. So I want to back up, Kent, and I, I want to go over this again, maybe with a highlighter this time. So I want people sure. to understand that from 1986, and I think the this act became law or was effective in 1988, and this was something that the Reagan administration was not in favor of, but there was a tremendous amount of pressure that if you don't indemnify these vaccine makers, if you don't indemnify these people, meaning that they will not be held personally or personally responsible for any adverse reactions that people have to vaccines, then they're not going to make the vaccines. So against his better judgment, Ronald Reagan signed this act into law. It went into effect in 1988. And what essentially happened, and I think Americans need to understand this, what essentially happened is that now you have this increase in not only the production of vaccines, but how vaccines are administered to children, and it has exploded. And here's the kicker, and I think every American should be asking questions. Why are we saying that these drug makers can make vaccines without the threat of being responsible for adverse reactions that happen as a result? This just blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah. And so, see, that I don't even have to get conspiratorial. That's just basic (laughs) U.S. law. That's fact. and And I'm just saying I don't think that we should be protecting the drug makers over our children. It's a pretty simple analysis to me. Yeah, it should be a dead giveaway when they say we want to be able to do this without any accountability. 
Like that that should have been Where else all, does that happen? Right. That 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 does not happen. So here's the thing. Yeah, Let's I, talk about Go ahead, Kent. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I, I want to get into, I want to make sure that we get to touch on some of this information that is uncovered, that is revealed in your newest book that you've co-authored with Dr. Mikovits, Plague of Corruption, Restoring Faith in the Promise of Science. Because let's just face it here, Americans are wearied. We are tired of being taken advantage of, and we are tired of, of having to, at every turn, be skeptical of why someone is offering you a free this and a free that when you go to pick up your bananas. Oh, and by the way, come and get your free flu shot. What is it that you guys uncover and present to the American people in your book, Plague of Corruption? Well, one of the things that's great about Dr. Mikevitz is I consider her a true scientist, which is when you pose a challenging question to her, she'll actually think about it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I, I posed to her very early on is, you know, you just have to go back to the basics of what, how is the vaccine made? Well, what they do is they get some virus from a human being, and then they put it, it usually in a, an, uh, the tissue of an animal that's in a lab. And what they hope is that that virus, because it goes through another species, uh, will become less dangerous, okay? So you're mixing animal and human tissue together. Well, this is kind of 1920s, 1930s technology. So they really didn't quite know what they were doing. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things have been grandfathered in. And so what we, the question that we raise is we know that the human genetic code is about 7% silenced viruses. We know that animals must be the same. So, but when you put those in a tissue culture, what's happening is all those viruses can now come out and play and they can recombine. And, you know, what we think is that these vaccines You know, they say that they're just going to have that virus that they're attempting to immunize you against. But we believe that they're contaminated with a host of other animal viruses and new creations from this process of mixing things. And right now, with current technology, it's really easy to test it. There's a lot of viral detection chips that they could simply put the 15 or 20 or 30 vaccines on these chips and test them. And, you know, tell us if we're, we're right or wrong, but there has been some research done showing that these vaccines are contaminated with viruses from the animals whose prod- biological products were used in the production of the, the vaccine. Kent, let me just jump in. We've got to grab this break. Kent Heck and Lively is our guest. We'll take a break and be right back. Stay close. Welcome back to Aaron Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Ambassador with Nothing Like Us. And we're going to jump right back into our conversation with our guest, uh, Ken Heckenlively, who is the co-author of uh, the newest book, Plague of Corruption. He's co-authored that book with Dr. Judy Mikovits. Many of our listeners would be familiar, or at least maybe you've caught wind of the video that was taken down. We talk about um, the, the incredible account that Dr. Uh, Judy Mikovits shares about her encounter with Dr. Fauci and why the American people uh, need to be concerned about what is happening in the scientific community. Before we went to the break, we were talking about um, how important it is for us to know 
um, I would say what is happening to our bodies and what we are being required to inject in our bodies. And this will kind of um, tie in nicely with where we are now in the midst of the, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the talk about vaccines and how the goalpost continually gets moved. You know, it's, it's first we need to make sure we flatten the curve and then it's, well, we're not safe until there's a vaccine, which brings all kinds of questions and concerns, I think, to bear. Kent, before we went to the break, we were talking about these animal viruses that can be detected. And it would be a simple test, or I say simple, of course, I'm not in the scientific community, but I would think that if there's a threat to human safety, that it would, I think it would behoove scientists to say, well, let's investigate and let's see what may be harmful in the vaccines that we're producing as it is now. We don't have many of these tests, if any, being conducted. Why is that? Well, because I, I think there's going to be a big problem. So I, I always like to tell this story. In 2012, 2013, I spent a summer at Lawrence Livermore Lab in a uh, virus lab because I was, um, you know, I'm a science teacher and, you know, they like to bring science teachers in, teach us what's really going on. And so they brought us all together for this big dog and pony show about all the wonderful things that Lawrence Livermore is doing. And one of their proudest accomplishments was that they mentioned that they did a test of the Rotatech vaccine um, mm -hmm. put together by uh, Paul Offit, and they used one of their chip, viral detection chips, to see what was in there. And so when they did it, they, they said, we detected that there was a pig virus in there. And so stupid old me, you know, I raised my hand and I said to the uh, scientist, Dr. Paul Jackson, I, I said, uh, excuse me, Dr. Jackson, how much more pig virus was in the vaccine rather than the target virus you hoped was there? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, there was about 10 times more pig virus than target virus. And, you know, he wants to move on. I raise my hand again and I say, well, excuse me, Dr. Jackson, isn't one of the concerns about long-term viral exposures that it's going to lead to the development of cancers? And did you do any research to see, you know, are these possibly contributing to cancer? And he says, you know, that's a really good question. And, uh, you know, we should be thinking about that. But, you know, we, we really didn't have the time to do it. And I almost got the feeling mm. like... He knew that it was a really good question, mm -hmm. but the decision was made at a higher, you know, pay grade than his, mm. than he's at. Wow. So it just, it, we have so many things that if Dr. Judy and I are wrong, it's easy to disprove us. Right. Um, you just got to do the tests. Right. Right. Mm. You know, let's talk about something else. So, so, so Kent, let me just say this and, and our listening audience already knows this, but for the sake of the conversation and wherever this audio will be shared in the future, I am a Bible believing Christian. So by definition, I believe that the taking of innocent life is wrong. When we talk yes. about vaccines and we talk about culturing or testing or creating vaccines off of aborted fetal tissue, Yes. Um, this is not conspiracy. This is not coming from my vain imagination. This is factual information that those who develop these vaccines admit that they have used aborted fetal tissue to culture these vaccines. And then we turn around as pro-life Christians and we inject these vaccines into our children. Am I wrong? Am I making this up? 
No, you're exactly right, and I'll tell you exactly what to look for. You can go on to the inserts, and if you see MRC5, WI38, these are aborted human fetal cell lines. And I'll make it even easier for your audience. You can type in aborted fetal cells vaccines, and you will get uh, articles from NPR, CNN, where they explicitly say, Oh, yeah, we use aborted human fetal tissues, but it's only a little. And, mm. oh, well, they're already dead. They, we keep, they, they were aborted a long time ago, but they keep using these aborted fetal lines. And, and you know, as, as much as it's a, a very moral question, um, you know, it's also a scientific question because mm-hmm. we don't know what the result is of injecting either animal tissue or human tissue, whether fetal, aborted or not, um, into our bloodstreams. Because especially if we have these viruses in, our, in these materials, well, viruses do this really weird thing where they open up your genetic code because they want to get integrated into your genetic code. So there's a real unanswered question of whether the, the genetic code from these animals and these aborted babies is going into our genetic code, which has led a lot of people to theorize that a lot of this gender confusion that we're seeing is mm-hmm. the result of males being injected with female DNA from these mm-hmm. aborted fetal tissues or, or you know, vice versa. So this is, a, I think that's why nobody in the mainstream media is really addressing our questions. They're just figuring out, hey, how can we attack Judy? Oh, she had a fight with her employer nine years ago. Come on, mm-hmm. Let, mm-hmm. Let's, let's stick to the issues. You know, and I think a lot of the problems that we're running into, and I think even some of the concern that, that you would have over, I think people not genuinely reading your book, Plague of Corruption, is because I think a lot of Americans really base their opinions on what once was. And so, for example, when I say in 1962, um, from birth to age five, Americans received three vaccines, okay? Three vaccines. Let me stop you for just a second. Also, what's really important is the age at which you got it. So the human immune system isn't really working until the age of three. So like for me, I got my shots before I went to kindergarten when I was, you know, four and a half, five years old. That's right. It's, it's much different when you have an immature immune system that doesn't know how to respond to these things. And yet we have our kids vaccinated. And I think that if, if a lot of these companies could have their way, it would really be from cradle to grave. It is almost day one. They want to inject your child with something. And every couple months after that, and even once they're entering into high school, there is another reason. Kent, I got to run because we've got Dr. Judy Mikovits on just after you, as you know, and I want to make sure that we give time to get her perspective. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. So let's go now to Dr. Judy Mikovits. Um, Just an an explosive sort of, uh, I guess, last couple weeks or last few months. Um, When YouTube sets its sights on you, and Facebook sets its sights on you. You must be doing something right, right? And so we can clearly see <laughs> that there is a message coming from Dr. Judy Mikovits that the American people need to hear. It's not only in the book Plague of Corruption, but it's also in, in the other book that you co-authored, I want to say, with, with Kent Heck and Lively as well, Plague, back in 2014. 
Dr. Judy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mickey. It's good to be here. So let's do this. For our listeners who may not be familiar with your expertise, your area of expertise, and the reason um, we should be listening to you talk about the plague of corruption that is happening in the scientific community, can you share with our listeners just a little bit of your background? Uh, yeah, I have a, um, a degree in biochemistry uh, with a specialization in, in biology from the University of Virginia in 19. 19- 80, uh, that degree, I uh, practiced as a natural products chemist um, at the National Cancer Institute uh, for a decade in their biological response modifiers program, understanding immune responses to viral infections, primarily retroviral infections. In 1991, I got my Ph.D. thesis in biochemistry and molecular biology from George Washington University. Uh, and, and that, as we say, it revolutionized the treatment of HIV AIDS because it recognized that the immune response um, to the virus that you could, was, was what was doing the damage to the tissue, that you could be infected with HIV and never get AIDS if you targeted that that dangerous immune response. I did uh, postdoctoral studies that extended the therapeutic um, diagnostic strategies for mechanisms of pathogenesis of retroviruses uh, as a, a molecular virologist in my postdoctoral studies uh, through the 90s. In 1999, 20 years later, I, I, I headed the, I was appointed director of the Lab of Antiviral Drug Mechanisms at the National Cancer Institute, and the, the job of, of that, um, my job of that laboratory was to build a laboratory um, to uh, develop treatments for AIDS-associated malignancies, cancers. Uh, went, went on to industry in uh, uh, d- using those technologies at Epigenics Pharmaceuticals in, uh, in California, and then built from the ground up, co-founded and built from the ground up, the first Neuroimmune Research Institute in Reno, Nevada, where in 2009 we published the explosive findings that there was a family of mouse-related retroviruses, AIDS, cancer-causing like viruses, um, Mm. just as I mentioned, and those um, um, were in humans and associated with the diseases, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, autism, cancers, idiopathic thrombocytopenia, breast cancer, prostate cancer, leukemia, lymphoma, and neurodegenerative wow. diseases. So they most likely entered the human population by way of a contaminated blood supply and contaminated vaccine. Wow. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, this is where it really kind of got bad for you because uncovering this information and delving deeply and, and researching this information made you a target of the scientific community because this is the type of information that for reasons you'll help us understand in this interview today, this is the type of information that is suppressed. The American people are not supposed to know that there are times that there's a danger involved in the type of research that is that is conducted. At least the danger is on the the, the American people on the receiving end of these these vaccines and the things that, that we pump into our bloodstream. But that information gets suppressed. Can we talk about that just a little bit? 
Uh, correct. So um, it's not just vaccines, but gene therapy. Um, anywhere where we've been mixing for 30 years animal and human tissue, it's called xenotransplantation when you inject other animals, either either injected by way of a vaccine or transplant due to uh, blood um, transfusions, or in fact, do some of the biological chemotherapies that that um, that are made in um, animals, particularly mouse cell lines. So they don't want you to know that, in fact, rather than curing cancer, as we could all see, or curing these diseases, we are, in fact, causing the explosion of these diseases with these dangerous um, you know, practices of xenotransplantation, and we've known this as a community. I, I use the royal we as a scientific community. Um, in 1999, the heads, then head of the NIH, Harold Barmus, um, uh, Nobel laureate Harold Barmus, started the, trans, the xenotransplantation and vaccine program at the NIH and, and put safeguards on these practices, recognizing that these could you could carry a, a dormant virus not recognized from this animal tissue and, and cause disease. And so when our work showed 20 years later, uh, or a decade later in 2009, this publication, uh, in, in fact, in science, was, was like an explosion where doctors everywhere, it was like the shot heard around the world, mm. much like our book Plague of Corruption now is just like it, the, because doctors everywhere in 2009, when they saw that paper, said, oh, my God, you mean all those sequences we saw in the 80s? were real. Oh, my God, you mean we have to retrofit our labs so we use biosafety level three because these practices are generating, generating cancer-causing, cancer-causing contagious retroviruses. So we could not afford the fact, you know, the the damage, the lawsuits, the, the trillions of dollars that because this contamination now had gone on for 30 years and resulted in, in up to 6% of the U.S. population being asymptomatic or symptomatic carriers of these virus, of these retroviruses that can cross generations, are actually vertically as well as horizontally transmitted. So the, the, the firestorm was stop the public from knowing this. And, and to do that, the fake science news media literally um, um, commissioned and, and funded and um, defunded us and commissioned other papers that um, to say uh, we were wrong. And, and when we, in fact, could have replicated our study in a study that Francis Collins uh, in 2010, then Francis Collins is, was, is the head of the NIH, um, directed Tony Fauci's NIAID to fund that study. And when we would have shown ourselves against all odds um, to have replicated our work, uh, Tony Fauci stopped the study and applied statistics and pu- published fraudulent study saying that, in fact, we did not replicate our work. 
and they destroyed my career. They false arrested, held me on fugitive justice charges for five days. For five years, those charges were still held at the NIH, preventing me from going into a lab and sending a very loud, clear Dr. message to any scientist. Let me just jump in. We got to grab this break. I want to pick up right here when we get back. Uh, We're talking plague of corruption today on Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll take a break and come right back to Dr. Mikovits. Stay close. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Boy, I'm telling you, there's just a moment where... (laughs) You get so much information and, you know, as as the American public, I think we have this feeling where we're like, you know, there's something not right. And, and mm-hmm. you go, why all of a sudden can't kids bring peanut butter sandwiches to school? Right. Right. Why all of a sudden do we have such an explosion of cancer cases? Right. Why all of a sudden <laughs> do we have an explosion of diseases that we can't account for? We don't know why this is happening as we seemingly develop more and increase in our understanding of how the human body works why are we sicker why are we not getting better and i think these are the types of questions that we need to ask we don't need to have our voices suppressed i'm talking to you youtube i'm talking (laughs) to you facebook we don't need to have people's lives shaken up we don't need to have people become victims of diligent research right i mean we should celebrate the medical community when they arrive at a conclusion based on diligent research that benefits the public i mean but we're not there. Yeah. And, and I think this is why we have to have this conversation. So we're talking today with Dr. Judy Mikovits. She's the co-author of the newest book, Plague of Corruption. And if you're keeping up with this on social media and, and, and if you are aware at the suppression of truth, uh, aware, aware of the suppression of truth in our in our country, uh, then you know that this is one of those books that is causing quite a stir. Before we went to the break, um, there was a connection that Dr. Mikovits made, and I'm so glad that we were able to segue into that because I want to go back to it. There are many Americans who throughout, you know, the press briefings and the press conferences and all of these things, they are asking questions of themselves, maybe with their friends, maybe out loud, maybe not, maybe just in their heads. But they're asking questions about Dr. Anthony Fauci. They're asking questions about Dr. Deborah Burks and they're listening to information and they're saying, how do you say a person dies with COVID-19 and not from Mm COVID-19 or mm -hmm. of COVID-19. They're asking questions. They're saying, why is it that we're not safe to open up the country until we have a vaccine that is produced? They're asking questions. They're saying, why is it that Mike Pompeo is saying that we believe that this virus came from a lab? And at the same time that this is being said, you have Dr. Fauci who is still saying it came from a wet market. These are questions that the American people are asking. And I know that that is not the aim or the scope of your book, but it does deal with and show in real time the type of corruption that we're dealing with in the scientific community. Dr. Mikovits, am I on to something? You're, you're absolutely on to something. And our book, Plague of Corruption, was supposed to come out last November 5th. And of course, was a delayed in publication until April 14th. Um, and and it's, it looks like prophecy, because as Tony Fauci promised President Trump in 2017, he would see an, an epidemic. He would see a pandemic. Well, how do you know that? Well, mm-hmm. because 
he's known all along, and he participated in the cover-up of these other viruses that were being injected, and SARS-CoV-2 was grown in the same cell line, Vero monkey kidney cells, that we grow our polio vaccine. So uh, we hear Bill Gates saying, oh, well, we'll use the polio vaccine to treat this. Um, no, the whole plan now is to kill the victims, call it COVID-19, and bury them and cover up this four decades of plague of corruptions that they participated in. And he's been there since day one mm. when liability was removed in 1986 from pharmaceutical companies. So not a single safety test has been done. Um, in, in since 1986 on any vaccine on the schedule um, wow. as required by federal law. And this is what Del Bigtree with the ICANN Decide Network mm-hmm. and Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. with the Children's Health Defense Fund re- revealed. And Bobby Kennedy, of course, um, wrote the really stuff. You know, I'm so... Environmental toxins. I am so grateful yeah. for for Bobby Kennedy. I'm I'm grateful mm-hmm. for Dale Bigtree. I'm grateful for J.B. Handley. I'm grateful for you, Dr. Mikeovitz, and all of the work that you guys and, and Kent Heck and Lively, all of the work that you guys are doing because this is not a popular discussion. I've got to say, as a mom of five kids and another one on the way, I'm invested. I I care about what we are being required now under the guise of a recommendation. We are really being required to pump chemicals and to pump different, you know, concoctions into our children. And we have no idea what we're giving them. I want to get you, Dr. Mikovits, at this point to explain to our audience why it cannot be true that this virus that we are battling right now in this country and around the world why it was not something that somebody picked up from a bat in a, in a wet market, why this is something that had to have been designed so that it was something that humans could be infected with. Could you help us understand that at a very basic level? Well, yes, on a very basic level, it was what we call accelerated evolution. And the simple fact, and it's published in a 2015 study, that the virus, the the that tissues in Wuhan, China, where were mixed with uh, those, it's, it's a cell line, a continuously growing cell line called Vero monkey kidney cells. Again, I mentioned we grow polio vaccines in cell lines from Vero monkey kidney cells. Those, those cell lines carry relatives, viruses, like SIV, simian immune deficiency virus. We know there are sequences from two, two published studies that show several strains have HIV in them, sequences from HIV they on the mm. spike proteins, allowing this, um, this, this virus, this recombinant or, or more than one virus. There's clearly more than one virus, and that's because they put this in this cell line and then and then sent it around the world in vials um, to North Carolina, to Switzerland, to um, a, a Harvard laboratory where they were doing the collaborative efforts for years, if not an entire decade, all paid for by Tony Fauci. So you can see that this is not natural evolution. You don't get to 190 
Ministries um, in, in, in a little more than three weeks from one person um, eating uncooked bat food soup, I guess, from a seafood market. That's impossible to believe, just as we were lied to about how HIV spread around the world, and this was my knowledge back then, where we said it was an abomination to God, the, the people who were getting infected. And of course, um, retroviruses don't know if you're a gay man, just like we see COVID-19 disproportionately uh, affects blacks. Oh, well, that's, be, you know, blacks don't, and viruses don't know the difference between um uh, a, a black man and a white man. Viruses right. don't care. It's in, and so this is how we know, um, and they, it's published in the papers. Everything I just told you is published in a 2015 paper about the of this new strain. And there are probably several other things going through that need those needles in the flu vaccinations. All flu vaccinations are grown in, uh, the live attenuated ones are grown in animal cell lines like chickens for the birds. Those have coronaviruses. Like dogs, the, the highly pathogenic, um, novel, untested, unsafe vaccine that was perpetrated on the Italian was grown in a dog cell line. That okay. dog cell line. Now, yes. now, Dr. Mikovits, let's go back to something you just said, because we talked about, okay, we talked about the things that we don't know. So when we talk about the increased amount of flu vaccinations that are given each year, which, and one of my colleagues brought this question up, and maybe you can help me. I know that, that with all of your credentials, you can help me understand this in my simple mind. Why are we... What makes something a vaccine? Does it mean that it eradicates a disease or does it maintain it? Because we talk about the flu vaccine, but why do we have people continuously getting these vaccines? And as you say, introducing these viruses to their bodies, which I, I watched your interview before. You said that now we tell people to put on a mask and this makes them more susceptible to getting sick. What is it that we don't understand that keeps us going back and injecting ourselves with these vaccines? Well, it, and it's not that we're not understanding it. It's that we're being driven by fear um, um, and, mis and lied to about the function of our immune system and how it works and how the vaccines work. The flu vaccines are not designed to prevent disease. The flu vaccines are designed to ameliorate disease, that is, lessen disease. Um, that is, if you get infected by influenza, you will not get as sick or you will not die if, you know, um, of that upper respiratory infection. Um, and, and in fact, if you've ever had the flu or you've ever had the uh, flu vaccine, you have as much protection of dying for the next time you see the next strain. So this has been a big hope. Since, since wow. I think 1957, and the failure of these vaccines, we heard several years ago. And this, in this story, is also told in our book. We heard several years ago, I, I think it was 2017, about the the CDC scientist and Dr. Timothy Cunningham, who who mentioned that that vaccine was killing the elderly, and he didn't understand what was so toxic about that year about that year. So what what's going on there? And he immediately goes missing for making comments about the flu vaccine. And this is 
you know, and, and he then was found months later dead and they said he committed suicide and they, mm. and they disparaged his good name. And, and, and this is what plague of corruption shows you. Um, Dr. Jeff Bradstreet, who was also killed, said to, um, was treating these kids with, with therapies that our papers suggested, that our work suggested. So stopping people from knowing that autism is in fact um, strongly associated with the MMR vaccine and with the polio vaccine and with the hepatitis A and any of these live viral vaccines that are carrying um, aborted fetal tissues. Mm-hmm. I mean, the level of aborted fetal tissue, that's Come against on. our God. That's against mm-hmm. our reason. And we carry the viruses of other people. And in other people's viruses in you, just like other animal wow. viruses in you, are a very bad thing. Wow. Wow. And, and, and look, and in light of this information, you know, I mean, <laughs> oh, boy, we try, we, try, we try to scratch the surface here. But in light of this information, we see a consistent attack on those of us, myself included, who raise questions, mm-hmm. who raise objections, who say, why do I need to give my, you know, 24 hours old child a hepatitis vaccine like they're not going out to the club tonight they're not going to be using (laughs) needles like why do I need to do that and people look at you like you're crazy and here is what we know Dr. Mikevitz we look we look at the numbers okay we look at in 1970 when you talk about the rates of autism and I want you to speak to this in the time that we have left in the 1970s one in 10,000 children was diagnosed with autism, right? And you fast forward over the years, and we know there was going to be a spike after 1986, 1988, when now you've got these pharmaceutical companies Mm -hmm. who are indemnified. They don't, (laughs) they're not held responsible, all right, for someone who's injured. But now in 2018, I think the most recent numbers, and there may be better numbers out, so correct me on this if I don't have them, but one in 36 children, one in 36 children, Diagnosed with autism when in 1970 it was one in 10,000 in 2018, it's one in 36. And we are not allowed to ask where this is coming from. Dr. Mikovits, help us. Exactly. And clearly our research showed as the vaccine schedule, as more and more of these vaccines are added, you know, two-month-old, four-month-old, six-month-old, not only autism, but SIDS, um, uh, it's a sudden mm. infant death, um, a, a cancer in little girls with the Gardasil vaccine in little boys as well, um, suicides, dropping dead of cardiac arrest. And you can you can associate all of these increases in disease as every vaccine was added to the schedule. You don't give a child, a, an infant, a newborn, as you just said. You don't give a teenager during puberty when they're growing, growing, growing. You don't take the attention away with this powerfully inflammatory stimulus that never was tested, never was tested these beyond four or five days. And this is, again, the brilliant work of of Bobby Kennedy Jr. in showing Mm -hmm. the people how much, how little testing's been done and how we, the doctors, are being lied to. But then the doctors are there not doing their homework. Uh, And I encourage everybody to watch Vax to the People's Truth because you can see when the parents realize it and how they're attacked. This Mm. vaccine court, which is supposed to compensate the injured because we said vaccines are unavoidably unsafe is the paraphrase 
of what the Supreme Court said in 2011. And now we can start mandating them because we're going to lose a few. Well, no, you don't get to take an untested, unsafe drug and mandate against our religious freedoms and our constitutional rights that some people are going to have to die. Mm. No, no, that's not the United States of America, one nation under God. That's right. Come on, Dr. Mikovits. Look, we are out of time. Um, I don't know how much time you spent growing up in black church, but we're going to give you an organ because you're preaching. Okay, (laughs) we have rights and and we have protections in this country. And I am I am calling out the American people to not just roll over and take whatever is forcibly shoved into your arm to ask questions to not only protect yourself, but protect your children. Pray and ask God for discernment. Maybe it begins with reading this book. The book is Plague of Corruption, Restoring Faith in the Promise of Science, co-authored Dr. Judy Mikovits and Kent Heckin-Lively. Man, guys, we have got to keep our eyes open, all right? We're out of time until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.